early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Then Peter and the other disciple set out and went toward the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent down to look in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. He saw the linen wrappings lying there and the cloth that had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had been lying, one at the head and the other at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. When she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabuni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not hold on to me, because I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he said these things to her. The word of life. The season leading up to this Sunday we call Lent. We're invited into a season of reflection and self-examination. Many of us left here Thursday night or some of us after the service on Friday in a deep state of reflection. We had witnessed the power of the gospel story. This great self-giving of this Jesus from Nazareth. You could say this sacrifice that he made on behalf of us all. We had remembered through reading of the scripture and singing of hymns and saying prayers and some dramatic recounting of what happened. That last night he was celebrating Passover. He began to tell them there was this new covenant. But one right there in their very midst left. One who was going to betray him. They moved from that upper room into a garden. We witnessed the agony and the anguish of Jesus as he's praying about all that is about to happen. And then this Judas comes back with some Romans. And they arrest him and the other disciples flee. 
They're all gone. Jesus is taken away. There is a trial of sorts. The disciples have denied him. On to the place called the skull and the scene of the crucifixion where people witness the terror, the punishment, the suffering, and finally the death of this man hanging on a cross. And then this reading this morning that takes us to the place of the tomb. Such stillness, a coolness, maybe even a coldness inside the tomb. And then finally the stone comes and Jesus' body is laying in the dark. And his followers have tumbled into the darkness as well. They were shocked by his actions and even more bewildered by their reactions to what he had done or not done. He failed. They failed. This one in whom their hopes and dreams, the one they thought was the Messiah, through which God was going to bring his kingdom on earth, and now he is dead. This kingdom of God which held such promise, has now been crushed once again by the almighty power of the imperial soldiers from Rome. They had seen it with their own eyes. It is all over. As I was reading through those stories again this week, I was reminded of an email that my niece sent me years ago. It had four photographs, and it went along with the story about a man who had four sons. He called his sons to him and said, there is a bridge in a wood far away. I want each of you to go one by one and visit this place and then come back and tell me what you find. So they all agreed. The first one left right after the first of the year. He got there. He observed that it was a cold and frozen place the next one then went in the spring the third one in the summer the fourth in the fall when they all returned the father called all the boys back together and asked them what they had found what did you see the first one said oh my gosh it was an inhospitable place the the river under the bridge was frozen it was so cold it it almost felt like death the second one said no, not at all. It was a verdant place, green things growing all around. The river running under the bridge with such beauty, sparkling water, fresh and clean. The third one said, no. No, the, the water was stagnant and stinky, and things were all overgrown. The fourth one said, you're all wrong. It's a place where life and death are all mixed together. Some things are growing and flourishing. Other things right next to them dying and shriveling. The father listened to them all and then said to his sons, you are all right. All of you are right. But each of you have only observed this place in a single season to get a measure of something you must see it in the complete life cycle. He told them that you cannot judge a tree or a person 
by only one season. But they had seen it with their own eyes, had they not? But they had made the mistake of not realizing that there was more to this place than they had seen. We find the disciples in the same predicament. They had seen what had happened with their own eyes. And yet they did not realize that there is more to the story. John begins to tell us about this more in the story in verse 1 where we began today. Early. On the first day of the week. While it was still dark. Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. She realizes that the body is gone. She runs and tells the other disciples, Simon, Peter, and others, begin to run back to the tomb. They get there. They go inside to investigate. In fact, she is right. The body is gone. The male disciples go back home. They leave Mary alone standing in the garden outside of the empty tomb weeping and then the story takes another turn in verse 15 john tells us that she hears a voice saying woman why are you weeping whom are you looking for she does not recognize the voice. She says, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. And then John says that Jesus says to her, Mary! And she recognizes his voice and turns and says, Rabuni, or Rabbi, my teacher. And in that moment, everything changes. She recognizes that he is alive. Oh, she recognizes his voice. She knows that it is him. So many things must have been going on. So many things must have flooded her mind. For she had been traveling with him for weeks, months, maybe a few years. I think we can suppose that she remembered some of the things he had said. Remember, he had said to them, The good shepherd calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And the sheep will follow because they know his voice. In that same setting, he went on to say, I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have power to lay it down, and power to take it up again. Or maybe she flashed back to just that previous Thursday night when they were celebrating that Passover supper together. And he said, I will not leave you orphaned. I am coming to you. In a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Because I live, you will also live. Or perhaps she recalled that vivid image he had used in that same evening about a woman in labor. Again, he repeated the words, a little while you will see me, and a little while longer you will no longer see me. You will have pain, but your pain will turn into joy. When a woman is in labor, she has pain because her hour has come, but when her child is born... 
She no longer remembers the anguish because of the joy of having brought a human being into the world. So you have pain now, he said, but I will see you again and your hearts will rejoice and no one will take your joy from you. So much must have been swirling around in her head and her heart, but out of it all, she realizes she has seen the Lord. He is risen. He is not dead. He is not gone. The body has not been taken. He is alive. He is alive again. It is the grand reversal. It is the resurrection. That's what we proclaim as Christians, that God's love raised this one from the dead. And all of us have the same hope in eternal life. Oh, they thought it was all going to be darkness and that it was going to be over. And yet, there was a new day coming. As I was working on this time together, I thought of a video that I had seen years ago. It was part of an AARP contest where they asked people to imagine what their life would be like in 30 years. They had got all kinds of creative videos. One that came in was just a person reading. And yet, the way he read and what he said got him second place. I want to read to you. This fellow was a guy in his 20s. His name is Jonathan Reed. He wrote something he called the lost generation. He writes, I am part of a lost generation. And I refuse to believe that I can change the world. I realize this may be a shock, but happiness comes from within is a lie. And money will make me happy. So in 30 years, I will tell my children they are not the most important thing in my life. My employer will know that I have my priorities straight because work is more important than family. I tell you this, once upon a time, family stayed together. But this will not be true in my era. This is a quick fix society. Experts tell me 30 years from now, I will be celebrating the 10th anniversary of my divorce. I do not concede that I will live in a country of my own making. In the future, environmental destruction will be the norm. No longer can it be said that my peers and I care about this earth. It will be evident that my generation is apathetic and lethargic. It is foolish to presume that there is hope. And all of this will come true unless we choose to reverse it. And all of this will come true unless we choose to reverse it. There is hope. It is foolish to presume that my generation is apathetic and lethargic. It will be evident that my peers and I care about this earth. No longer can it be said that environmental instruction will be the norm. In the future, I will live in a country of my own making. I do not concede that 30 years from now, I will be celebrating the 10th anniversary of my divorce. 
experts tell me this is a quick fix society. But this will not be true in my era. Families stayed together once upon a time. I tell you this, family is more important than work. I have my priorities straight because my employer will know that they are not the most important thing in my life. So in 30 years, I will tell my children, money will make me happy is a lie. And happiness comes from within. I realize this may be a shock, but I can change the world. And I refuse to believe that I am part of a lost generation. It is a grand reversal, is it not? Read one way, it takes you down a path here. Read in reverse, it takes you over here. As Christians, we call it the resurrection. We are here this morning to celebrate the resurrection. God's promises in the gospel through the resurrection tell us that we can move and that God is working to help us move from despair to hope, from pain to joy, from darkness to light, from death to life. It is the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the resurrection of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Because He lives, we will live also. It's a great celebration, but notice one last thing before we close. Jesus does not allow Mary to stay there in the garden with Him, celebrating this grand and glorious fact. Jesus sends her out. Jesus commissions her to go and tell others. And it will be a sign of growth for all of us if we not only come here to celebrate this morning, but leave this place ready to go and tell others. Go and tell others. He is risen. Christ the Lord has risen indeed. Amen.